Welcome to, I think this is episode 60 actually, of Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. This podcast has been going exactly for one year, so happy birthday to us. And I have, a, she's now becoming a regular, I think this is her third time, Martha Tamboya. We are sitting here in Hot Nandy together, getting ready for a session tonight with women. Um, but today we're going to have a discussion on verbal abuse, something that we haven't dedicated the whole episode to. But firstly, before we dive deeper, welcome, Martha. Bulatish, um, thank you for having me on uh, this again. <laughs> Quite nervous about how this is going to end, but yeah, excited too. <laughs> yes, poor mother. I say, let's do lunch, and then I pull out my podcast gear, but um, I never overlook um, a, a chance to chat with another disruptive woman. Um, so recently, it's just come out in the last few weeks, the report into violence against children in Fiji. My last episode, I interviewed the head researcher on that, Dr. Latia. Um, but big part of the abuse here in Fiji against children is verbal abuse. Um, and we probably, most of us, 80 or 90% of us probably don't even think that we are abusing our children. But just briefly, can you describe what verbal abuse is? Um, verbal abuse. I think in our, in our culture here in Fiji, we don't... Um, the way that we probably discipline or the way we scream at our kids as being uh, abuse uh, to us is teaching. But uh, verbal abuse is hurting people. Um, through your words, uh, it can also be hurting people through not speaking. Uh, and, uh, and as parents, um, I think not only here in Fiji, but across the Pacific uh, and across the world, this is one topic that we hardly talk about because uh, we feel like since we are not smacking uh, the kids or we are not using corporal punishment at all, that it's not abuse, but... Um, if you talk to people who have been through it, um, I'm sure that uh, most of us would identify with it, that uh, the words that we received when we were small were more hurtful than even some of the beatings that we received. And, uh, and we term that as abuse, yeah. Yes, and last week I was with a group of girls at a local school in Suva, and we were doing a session on words. And I actually put out 10 numbers on the floor from 1 to 10, with 1 being negative, 10 being positive. And I just said, just identify where on the kind of line of numbers from negative to positive do you stand? What, what type of words have been spoken over your life? And um, as the session went on, girls really opened up a, a lot of a verbal abuse that they've received at home. Um, the hurt that's come out, just how they don't feel loved. Um, and so it really impacts on their development, doesn't it? In fact, last week I was interviewing a sex worker in Suva and she just said, I blame my mother for where I am today because she just called me useless again and again and again. So we don't realise at the time, do we? Uh, do you think most people who are verbally abusing their children realise? Uh, no, I don't think a lot actually uh, realise it. I mean, I've, I've talked to a few parents who when we addressed uh, verbal abuse during the sessions that we've been talking on, that they realized much later and some of them have regretted that now their children are much older and they finally realized that that's why their children are so distanced from them. 
I think it's because it's been passed down, um, because it was done to them. So they think that um, it should be acceptable because it's been done to them. So now that they, they are doing it to their children. But a lot of times we don't realize uh, the implications of the words that we are speaking. Uh, for example, uh, you have uh, uh, young kids that have been told uh, when they don't do well in school that they're being compared uh, the, this comparison thing. Uh, oh, why can't you be like your cousin so and so? Why can't you be like this person? They don't play well in rugby, and you know, um, oh, you didn't score that, and 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 it's in their mind, and it begins to play with their emotions. And later on, these children um, not only hurt themselves, but they look for an outlet. And uh, I tell you, the amount of kids that are hurt uh, today in Fiji. Uh, because of verbal abuse, I think it's much greater than something that we could ever calculate. Because you can't, you you won't be able to put a number to it. The amount of kids that we have, and I believe that that's also contributing a lot to why we're having problems with our teenagers. Um, that um, there's just so many things that they're hearing from home that's not positive. We're not, we don't have homes that are positive. And I think that's why a lot of our people too are not empowered because they've heard so many negative things and it's created their whole world. And that's the world that they're living in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, words, as the Bible says, have life and death and the power of the tongue. And that's just not a suggestion. That's, <laughs> it's true. Um, there is life and death in the power of the tongue. So we've got to stop and think, what, what are we speaking um, over our children? Um, and it's part of there, when you talk to child psychologists, it's a major part of children's upbringing is encouragement um, and life. Now, this doesn't mean we can't bring correction. So where, where again, is the line between, you know, um, I guess, and sometimes it, it's been good in my life over the years to kind of hear the wrath of my parents a little bit because <laughs> it keeps you... Uh, but at the other end, you know, their words of encouragement have been way more than their wrath. So um, we're not saying, you know, everything's got to be, you know, sunshine and roses, are we? Yeah, um, you can correct your children, um, but do it in love. Uh, for example, if uh, they disappoint you or they do something wrong and you know that you're angry, go into the room or get away from your kids or ask your kids to uh, take a time to cool off. There has to be a time for you to cool off. And when you know that you have something positive and constructive to say to your child, then you do it. But I think a lot of times we speak out of anger. Uh, and that anger translates into so many other things when you're speaking to children. Uh, for adults, if somebody speaks to you in anger, you'll be able to process that and say, oh, this person was just angry, that's why they said that. But for a child, they will not be able to process all these things. I mean, uh, for me, um, for example, like I, I went through uh, so many years of verbal abuse um, apart from what I went through. But there were so many times that I was told that I was good for nothing, that I would never amount to anything in life. I remember doing so well in primary school, in school, and coming home sometimes. I was first in my class for most of the years in primary school. I think every year in primary school I was first. But I would come home and then I would receive comments like, oh, you came first, but why didn't you have like 100 out of 100? I mean, I already was first, you know? And 
oh, you know, you you should do things like how this person does it. Your handwriting should be like this person. And it and it got to me. It got to a point where I was like, oh, being first is not good enough. So by the time I got to high school, it, like, it wasn't even important to do well in school anymore. And I regretted that uh, because, uh, but I realized that it was because of all the words that we were being spoken over me. And there was nothing that I was receiving that was positive that made me want to do something positive with my life. Yeah. But when I got older, I realized that I could speak positive things and I could speak positive things to people. Yeah. But as a child, um, as children, uh, I don't think you, you have that mechanism probably to be able to, I don't know, how, how do I explain it? To be able to speak positive things into you unless somebody is doing it. Yeah. Now that's powerful. Um, so, as yeah, someone who was on the other end of, and again, we don't see that. And a parent might be like, "Well, I'm just loving my child because I want the best things out of them." <laughs> um, but I think again, understanding children have different gifts and strengths and weaknesses, and expecting them and comparing them to be like other people is just um, setting them up for failure, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, for example, um, in Fiji. Um, when you have a son, um, everyone expects that uh, these young boys, when they go into primary school, that they become uh, good rugby players. And if that young boy is probably a soft-spoken boy and wants to read all the time, then you have all these children that make fun of the boy. And then the parents come and take this expectation because they've had a dream of having probably a young rugby player in the family who's going to be famous like Serevi. Um, and they put that on the child, that expectation. And, and it's repeated like over and over. And when there's family gatherings and they look for this particular child, oh, you know, why can't you be like so-and-so? And, or they, it's like, oh, um, you're a sissy or you're a girl or if a boy wants to be in the kitchen and cook and it's like, oh, what happens? You want to be a woman, uh, only women belong in the kitchen. No, so those type of words. And it begins to, we really don't realize that those things actually hurt children. And... Um, yeah, our culture, <laughs> the culture, our culture is such that we've condoned it. Not only condoned it, but we've condoned making fun uh, when somebody says something and we don't address it when we think that it's wrong or when we know that it's wrong. Like, for example, you see somebody that's bullying somebody with their words. We don't stand up and speak. A lot of times we laugh at it again. It's like a sort of a Fijian thing that uh, you, you laugh at things. Even online now, uh, somebody is making fun of somebody online uh, through their words and then everybody like goes and adds on to this and most of the time we don't even know who we are talking about or the issue that we are talking about. And uh, that's verbal abuse. And we don't realize it, but because we are so communal in our thing, whatever, we are trying to like oh, add on to it, but... We don't realize that that's abuse, yeah. Is it something that we can turn around or change or is, is this Fijian way always going to be there? We can turn around and change it. Um, I, I see it now with uh, a lot of the young parents that are coming up. Uh, some of them are actually speaking positive words. Uh, most of our matured um, parents were speaking positive things. Um, but I see something, I, I see a gap. 
uh, the gap between I know that some people will say oh you know it's just when people become grandparents that they change but I find that in our culture when we are parents that we say whatever we want to our children but the moment that you become grandparents somehow all the softness comes in and all the harsh words goes out but I'm wondering if it's if it's something that we could uh, change and I know it can because you see it happening like uh, um, for example at home my mom now that she's a grandparent she can't even like smack her grandson uh, but if that can happen I'm not saying for us not to smack at all I'm not saying for us not to like uh, discipline your children through your words uh, what I'm basically saying is that you you can change you can learn to speak positive words you can learn to correct by not putting somebody down or condescend them in the way that uh, you do things and not use uh, comparison or culture as an excuse to, or uh, I, I survived through it, so my child will be able to survive through it. The world we live in was so different from the world that these children are living in. Um, even online right now, um, I find that the younger ones um, feel free to be outspoken out in public, but when they go home, they're so quiet. And I feel like that's because we're not creating spaces in our homes that are safe, that's allowing our kids to be able to speak because they're always so afraid that their parents will ridicule them or will speak negatively. And a lot of them, like the ones that we've counseled, men, most of them are broken, uh, broken youths, broken teenagers, broken even adults. Uh, and in our brokenness, we are taking it out again onto the next generation. I think it can be changed. Of course it can be, and um, it's something we might need to really ask God for. Um, I want to come back to, yes, for 25 years I've been working with teenage girls, so I have no children of my own, but have worked very closely with teenage girls, and it's always interesting. Um, we'll run a camp and a mum will turn up and say, oh, my daughter, well, she'll send me a message. I'm sending my daughter to you because she's so out of control and so naughty and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and then they come into an environment where they're encouraged at camp, where our leaders have been taught to love them. We still address issues, we put boundaries, but such encouragement. And I find that I don't have one single issue with these girls. <laughs> so if um, only we could understand that encouragement actually helps our children to perform better than discouragement. Uh, maybe we feel better because we've gotten our anger out, um, but our kids will always do better when they're encouraged. Uh, a flower will always do better when it's fertilised with the right fertiliser. Actually, they've done studies on plants. Plants that are spoken to nicely do better than plants that are sworn at. Isn't that funny? So, you know, that's, that would be an amazing uh, mindset change. That If you want your kids to do better, encourage them. <laughs> uh, cheer for them would be really good. But the other issue too is that for a lot of us parents um, who maybe are just, you know, we're, we're working full time, maybe we're struggling at home with money, we've got our relationship issues with our spouse and so a lot of our issues just come on to our kids, don't they? Uh, and for you, I think we, we know a lot of your background and story. How have you had to work hard to not take out your anger or issues on your child so it doesn't spill to the next generation? 
Oh, <laughs> um, we have a baby. Um, he is one year, five months. Um, for my husband and I, one thing that we have agreed on is um, if I'm really angry, because I'm the more outspoken one, uh, Johnny deals with his anger much easily. Um, I'm the one that I think I bottle things up for a long time, and then when it finally like comes out, it's like boo. <laughs> Uh, but one thing that I decided when we had baby was that I would always deal with issues before I came home or before I get to see baby. So if I'm angry about something, I would leave and go and deal with my issue. I would take one or two hours and just come away from my child. Or if I'm outside of the home and something happens and I'm really, really sad, we would be on our way home and we would stop the car. There's a spot that we always stop at just before we reach home. So we begin to ask ourselves, are we in a good mental state to go home and receive our child? And that's what we do. Like I would cry it out and we talk it over whatever time that we need and then we would go home and be with baby. And I've done that because I don't want my child to be at the receiving end of my anger. And because I've been through it, so I don't want, even though he's just a baby, because some of us will think, oh, but he's just a baby, you know, he doesn't know anything. But I realized, I think, one or two incidents that happened that I was really angry. And even though I was happy with him, but I felt he was a bit distant from me. And from there, I just decided, no, I'm not going to put my child through this. I, I don't need my child having to deal with this later on. Um, that mom is taking things out and I don't want to be able, I mean, to, to speak to him in anger because I'm angry about something else. I, I think it's unfair on my child. Not I think it is unfair on my child to put that burden on him and strain our relationship. I don't want that happening. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know, when you really start have to start disciplining your child, but um, how do you do that if, if there's something that happens that's really naughty? How do you address that? You're only just starting, really, but he's so cute, he doesn't do anything naughty. Oh, 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 he's, <laughs> he's getting to a point right now where he's pulling the curtains and pulling the fan down and just wrecking the whole house. He likes everything being in a mess. I think that's just the age where he's at. Uh, but I found, I was reading through a few books just on how to handle it. And uh, one that I realized um, helps my child is when I sit on the floor. So that's what I've done. If he's doing something that I know where he's misbehaving, I sit down on the floor where I'm the same level at him and I begin to talk um, in a stern voice but with love in my eyes and look at him eye to eye and then when I'm done with whatever I'm saying I give him the biggest hug in the world and then he continues and I found that it actually works uh, so that's something that I've been learning to do and it's really new culturally for me it's new because in my culture we'll probably just come and smack or or even if I have to flick him um, I do it with this like really softly and I've uh, been doing reading on how much is too much and what is not, you know, what is acceptable and at which point do I probably flick his hand or flick his feet or something. Uh, but I try not to do that uh, because of the abuse that I've been through and just to speak. And I find that, um, yeah, it's it's been okay so far, so good. Yeah, and then we'll deal with the other issues as we come to it. <laughs> yep, one day at a time. Yeah. 
Now recently, yeah, you had a ladies conference in Suva where you did a session around verbal abuse, which is so important, something that we need to address so much more in churches, just equipping people, because like you said, we don't always realise what we're doing, the effect it's happening. But you mentioned um, one woman was really, well, a lot were really helped, but one woman, what did she do after your session? Um, oh, yeah, the one, um, she went and shared about uh, how her parents used to, to really abuse her uh, with words. Uh, this was verbal abuse and, and beating up, uh, being out of anger. And uh, the parents had uh, passed on about uh, 20 years ago. And then she finally, on that session, she went back home and she had to deal with her heart and forgive her parents. And the next day to meet her and see the change, the change in her face, the change in the way she walked. This was an older lady, much older than me. And just to think that she had bottled all these things up for so many years uh, grieved my heart, uh, grieved me in the sense that uh, nobody had ever not only helped her, but I think it grieved me because I realized the number of people that are walking around in our streets and in our country uh, who have been through verbal abuse of any form and it hasn't been dealt with. They haven't healed from it and it hasn't been addressed and they are now taking it out on other people and some they have not enjoyed their whole life because of that because they haven't learned to deal with it yeah and that's why we're doing this podcast because we need to um, acknowledge that verbal abuse is abuse Um, and sometimes it's easy to acknowledge that uh, a black eye is abuse and uh, but and we can hide verbal abuse we can do it at home and then come to church looking happy um, but verbal abuse is abusive. Jesus doesn't um, has doesn't want us to live in these relationships where we're pulling each other down, belittling, joking, um, swearing at each other, gossiping. This this all adds to it. Hey, um, and it becomes a very destructive pattern in our life. And so may God help us in moving forward to create families um, and to get our own healing. And I just want to encourage all of us listening, men and women, um, hurt people hurt people. And so a big part of the reason why we um, break out on our children is because we're just hurt hurt ourselves. So getting the healing that we need, the counselling, the help, sharing our own stories is just so important. So may God help us there. What would you love to see moving forward um, for churches, how, how can churches better deal with this issue of verbal abuse? And we'll, we'll address um, other issues <laughs> on another day. Um, but this verbal abuse, what, what can churches really do? Uh, first of all, address it from our pulpits. Um, address from our pulpits uh, what verbal abuse is, uh, because it's happening in our marriages, uh, in the churches. It's even happening in the churches. Uh, where leaders are abusing their members through their words, uh, using their words to um, make their members do things that they, that's not even biblical. Uh, get to the word, uh, because the word says, uh, our Bible says that uh, sweet words are like medicine, and not only that, that out of our mouths, the outflow of our heart comes. And uh, if we are not going to address it from our pulpits about verbal abuse, then we are not addressing the whole Bible. That's what I believe. 
because the Bible speaks so much about it. And when we see the example of Jesus, who is uh, supposed to be our biggest example in this, uh, I don't see him abusing people with his words. I don't see him abusing women. I don't see him abusing children, abusing men, abusing anybody with his words. So if we were to take that example uh, across, then I believe that a lot more people will join the churches and won't leave uh, because we will be careful, we will be intentional uh, with the words that we speak and also we will be careful to, to watch that our words are not only helping people and encouraging people but that it's biblically sound. Yeah. Absolutely. That would um, help turn a nation upside down if we address these issues. Sometimes I um, have sat in churches here in Fiji where the pastor is just shouting, shouting. You know, when it's just so loud, it's distorted. <laughs> I've actually wanted to stick my fingers in my ear a few times. And research has been done uh, on churches where the pastor shouts uh, perpetrators are more likely to come to that church because he's normalising that it's okay to shout. Now there's a time where you might get a bit passionate in your talk and I do that sometimes but then there's other times where you just look angry and shouting and um, you're spitting at everyone. It's no fun for anyone. So if that's you pastors, you might want to rethink your communication style. As we finish, and I mentioned the um, session we did last week in a high school in Suva, I've got a, an amazing co-leader with me and she's learning as we lead together and she's a manager at a um, business in Suva and she said at the end of our session as she was listening to what I was teaching the girls she said I actually need to go back and apologise to some of my co-workers because as the manager even though you're in a position of authority she said I've abused that and, and I've verbally abused them so my challenge today is we start by acknowledging, hey, I've been verbally abusive and maybe we need to go to some people and apologise and humble ourselves. This is always the doorway to the kingdom of God. It, it releases healing, humility. Um, if you're a leader, you can apologise. You can apologise to your children if you're a parent. Can you? Can you do that over here? Yes, you can. <laughs> is it ever done? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes people think uh, in our culture that when you apologize it's a sign of weakness but to me it's a sign of strength for a person to be able to apologize that shows strength that uh, you've admitted uh, your weakness or your mistake you've owned up to it and you're willing to take responsibility for it I look at people who are willing to apologize as being the bigger person all the time because they have so much strength within them yeah so it can happen it can happen and um, it needs to happen in order for us to... I don't think we need too much more awareness. We just need to begin to have some humble action and come together, male, female, fathers, mothers, children, uh, and just heal and allow the Spirit of God. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Martha, again. And uh, hopefully we're about to go to Vanuatu together, so we might have more opportunity to discuss a few other topics while we're over there together. Any last final words? Uh, think before you speak uh, that's something that I'm even me I'm learning uh, I realized uh, later much much later much to my regret that I was becoming like the people who I didn't want to become 
just because of how words were spoken over me, I thought that it was okay. So I started to do that, um, being a leader. But now I've had to really ask the Holy Spirit and God to help me that before I speak, I need to think. Uh, whether it's coming to my home, speaking to my mom, speaking to my husband, speaking to my child, speaking to our leaders, and it's, it's changing. And uh, I'm still learning, becoming a better person. But I think that if we were intentional with wanting to change, the change will happen. But if we don't want to change and we think that how we're doing things is okay, then, then that's where we leave Fiji at. But I think Fiji can become a better place if all of us take time to think before we speak. I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bowl of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising Let the islands hear reason Let 